Hello, welcome back to the Round Robin podcast with your host, Bradley Y. And with me, I have very, very, very socially distance. distance. In fact, in another part <laughs> of the Southwest, Rob Fersland. You can tell we're out of practice, God, you Jesus. <laughs> you say that, but I interject. Well, actually, I was, I was worrying all day that I would end up just saying the high hops because I've been so used to doing oh, that. Oh, because you've been doing that year. so often. Yeah, because it's with my girlfriend. It's been a lot easier to record. But yes, we're all back. Just uh, if anyone uh, is listening to this after our sort of a spree of podcasts. And then we sort of went on hiatus at the beginning of lockdown. Uh, it's because most of us live in different households. Uh, so it was just kind of impractical for us to be able to continue it. And we hadn't really had a, we didn't really have a sort of a convenient way of recording it, but we now kind of do. So we are hoping our, to bring our one, more. Our one singular subscriber is going to see a notification <laughs> pop up and lose his mind over oh this. Oh my God. But back. we're here to review, uh, what are we here to review, Rob? Well, we're here to review Christopher Nolan's nati- natist? Nati- I'm, native I'm, film. I'm, I'm also screwing up here. <laughs> Christopher Nolan's latest blockbuster, Tenet. All I have for you is a word. Tenet. It'll open the right doors. Some of the wrong ones, too. Um, but yeah, so if, for us in the UK, we were fortunate enough that with lockdown being the way it is, it came out on the 26th of August. Uh, obviously, it's getting a rollout in different areas of the world and different countries have kind of it coming out in different times. Uh, so yeah, we were kind of, I guess in the UK, one of the first countries to get it almost i think well at least like we, we very often are we are it's, Britain but, gets a lot of first releases we do which didn't always used to be the case when we were younger there used to be like a massive gap between getting the film and sorry the film coming out in another country and then America. finally reaching us yeah like, well, i was about to say like months. i think the the very first kind of thing that like, oh, England's made it was the time that we got Captain America before America did. That was, that was, yeah, that was the highlight. I was just like, this a, is a strange choice, but I was happy for it. <laughs> it was like this, it's all coming up. And then when Avengers, we got in Avengers before yes, America yes, did. did, that was like this, we've made it guys. We've, we've got it. We've done it for like a week <laughs> or two before made it to the big time. We've done it. But I think it's a great marketing gimmick for America because obviously the rest of the world, mainly the UK like hypes it up ready for that sort of domestic release where they can make like the biggest amount of profit. Cause obviously that's where it's kind of the, the most amount of money is coming from. Cause they don't have to deal with other distributors uh, around the country. Um, yeah, absolutely. But kind of, this is, this is, I guess the first, like I'm trying to think of what came out before lockdown, but like, this is kind of the first big film this year, which is crazy that we're in August. And like, cause we had, you know, was it dead? Uh, Vin Diesel's dead blood, dead thing that me and Luke went to go and see just before lockdown, I think. I'll be honest, I hadn't even realised that was a thing, which that I think was, goes yeah. to show how big that release really <laughs> oh, was. Oh, exactly. Uh, well, yeah, it was going to kind of, I guess it was going to kick off with the Fast and Furious and and then it didn't. <laughs> Much to your upset, I'm I was, sure. I'm, well, it's fine because View Cinema is showing f- the Fast and the Furious. There was actually two showings of it tonight and I was debating oh, really? cancelling the whole evening just so I could go and see the Fast and the Furious again. You know, I would actually completely expect that. It's kind of strange. What do you think about the movies that should have been released so far this year and that we've missed and we've lost? Yeah. It's been a really, really weird couple of months, as you might expect, really. But I think the the one that hit me the hardest was Black Widow. 
Yeah. Um, that was the one that I've wanted to actually see the longest because yeah. that was relatively early into lockdown as well. That it was supposed to have originally happened. Yeah, I think if I remember right. So yeah, it was one of the. It was one of the kind of like I think it was around the like the Quiet Place, Fast and the Furious Nine. Uh, and Black Widow and Bond. That was kind of like the oh beginning, yeah, wasn't the it? new Bond. Yeah, like those were the first kind of films. I think Black Widow was like amongst that group. I think it was yeah. maybe the the last to get moved because I think for the longest time they were almost like well, may, well now there's no they like they almost looked at it and like there's no competition because yeah. things weren't being forced to go on lockdown. So there was still the hope that people might go out at least for cinema people well producers that people might go out and then as soon as i think lockdown happened it was like yeah no it's yeah that's... very clear it wasn't gonna happen <laughs> we're right? going to october now so this is depending on how much we stay out of lockdown or when we go back into it uh, i guess we're gonna get some films for now uh, and i guess we can try and review as many as we can go and safely go and see um mm-hmm. But I guess in terms of the film, should we do like a bit of just kind of our thoughts on the film non-spoilery and then we'll go into spoilers, I guess. Yeah, I think that I think that's good. We can give a cut-off point for people who don't want to have cool. the ever-loving shit spoiled out of this movie. So I guess initial thoughts, what's, what's your initial thoughts going into... Well, actually, before we do that, Rob, what is actually... What, to you, what's the plot of this film without giving away too much? Okay, so... It's a difficult movie to put into one singular box because it's a very, it's a very, very different movie. I would, at its like very, very core, I'd call it a spy thriller, right? Yeah. But it's got fantastical elements and it's got action elements. But how to describe this? I I wanted to give this to you because I didn't want to have to explain this myself because I've just been thinking like all day, like how the fuck do I explain this? So the basic premise of the movie is that there is a a material, for want of a better term, that works chronologically backwards. Yeah. So when, if you imagine you dropping a bullet, an inverted item would effectively jump up into your hand, but from the way that you looked at it forwards and backwards, ultimately you're the person who's done the action. Mm. So our main character, the protagonist, (laughs) <laughs> literally comes across called this, the protagonist literally referred to as the protagonist <laughs> uh, kind of gets pushed into this by sheer chance and coincidence and effectively is trying to puzzle his way through a scenario that is way above his kind of comprehension yeah so we we learn the we learn about this this kind of process uh tenant um, along with this character, like this character is like the, when he first experiences this process, that it's the same for us as a viewer. Exactly. So we're learning it. So it's not like, it's not like inception where everyone in the film, except Ellen page, who we don't meet until a bit later knows what inception and this whole process is. Um, mm-hmm we learn this along with the main character. It just ha- has so happens. The main character is, is still pretty, he, he's, he's still pretty like, he learns about this thing and he's just kind of like, yeah, cool. Yeah, let's, whatever. Let's just go. Um, bearing in mind is Denzel Washington's uh, son. Yeah, Denzel Washington's son. I hadn't even realized until afterwards somebody said, it's like, yeah, obviously Denzel Washington's son. It's like, oh yeah, obviously. Yeah, he's he's great, by the way. I, I really like, I, I've seen him in this and Black Klansman, uh, which oh, I didn't realize that, that was... I had seen him in Black Klansman. Yeah, that was it. I kind of saw, I, I looked at him, so I recognize him, but I can't think from where. And then somebody said, "Yeah, he's in Black Clansman." Like, of course oh, he is. Yeah. Of course he is. 
I really is is his, his character's name is actually called the protagonist, isn't it? Yeah, that is legit how he's referred to through the film. I, uh, his actual name is kept unknown, for want of a we, better term. He we, is only ever the protagonist. But it just feels like it was a placeholder, and then they just it didn't. <laughs> they just didn't. They like went at the last minute and went, "Oh, we've shot half of it, and we haven't changed the script." Well, I guess he's now the protagonist. <laughs> he's just the protagonist. It reminds me a little bit of um, of playing the Elder Scrolls games, where your character is referred to as the champion, the hero of Kavach, <laughs> the Dragonborn. <laughs> But because giving with, them an actual name is too hard. But at least with like a hero and a champion in a video game, you get it because everyone's characters are going to be different. But you literally wrote the film. And like in, in writing a play, in writing a like a play or a film 101, it's like your protagonist and their antagonist. And that it's like they didn't want to make it complicated. So they were like, well, if we just name <laughs> our main character, the actual protagonist, then it's that way, quite nobody clear. Nobody could be confused as See, to who this guy is. The biggest twist would have been if he He'd actually been the antagonist. I would have been like, Whoa. "Oh my god!" Oh, um, but like, been it. I guess because it's it's hard it's hard talking about specific aspects of this film without ruining everything. And I think part like like Inception, I think that's kind of my best. That's my my best kind of point I can reference. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know if you've seen the trailers and you've seen the film Inception, like that's the closest I can get. It still feels like its own thing. Like Inception, there are heisty elements to this film, though they're not. At, they're not in it as much as I thought the film was. Then, I thought it was I, they're be a not whole as central a focus on this movie yeah. as from what I've been led to gather, Inception is just for, like kind of my background for this. Yeah. I'm not really a massive movie buff, and Christopher Nolan isn't really a. He's not a director who I've thought I must see a movie of his because I know it'll be good. Yeah. Like the last. I think the only movies of his I've seen that I can think of yeah. are the Batman trilogy. Okay. Uh, and that's it. I never you, saw Inception. Have you seen Memento? Nope. The Prestige? I did see The Prestige. So you've seen another one of his films. Have you? Did you not see um, Interstellar and Dunkirk then? Nope. I haven't okay. seen either of those so you, either. You've seen, you've seen Inception then, the Batman trilogy, and uh, Prestige, sorry. No, I've not seen Inception either. Oh, you've not seen Inception? Okay. Cool. No, like I said, I'm, wow, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm not... Um, like they were considered, I think, must-see films at the time, mm. but um, they just didn't tick any boxes for me as what I wanted to see in a movie. And the things that I heard from other people yeah. were enough to put me off wanting to watch that movie. They, they had they had aspects that I'm not massively fond of in a film. Interesting. Sometimes, so. like personally, I mean, we're not going on to like his like his films, but personally, for me, like I would say, Inception is almost his best film. Like to me, I put that as the best benchmark almost. Mm-hmm. as to what the best Christopher Nolan can do. Um, uh, but yeah, going back to this film, like if you're expecting it to be Inception again, which I think a lot of people have kind of said, like, it, you know, in terms of a weird concept in the trailer, they don't quite give everything away. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it, it is and it isn't. Like if you're expecting like Inception to be a heist film where the whole film is about them pulling off this really elaborate heist, then you're not going to get that. You're not going to get that. You're going to get that for the first half of the film, and then the film's going to go into a doomsday plot scenario. Um, so I think, and, that, and that's mentioned in the trailer quite a few times, where she mentions about preventing World War Three. Um, yes. And this new technology is essentially the new nuclear device. So that's their kind of like reference. Everyone's talking about it like it's a nuclear material, and everyone kind of. Uh, cross like that that's how they kind of that's their point of reference to the point where it actually kind of becomes confusing because the move the film moves at such a pace and 
character dialogue is so quick and so mm-hmm. covered up with music that it's sometimes really fucking hard to decide what's going on. Uh, yes. Was that just me or did you feel the same way? No, you, you've hit the nail on the head with what is easily my biggest criticism of the movie in general. Mm. When you have a cast of characters who are from very broadly different areas of the world, all of them speaking with significantly different accents, some of mm. them a lot stronger than others, that is already pretty difficult to follow, especially if you're getting through a lot of story beats in a short amount of time. Yeah. That becomes even less easy to follow when the sound design seems to have been done in such a way that it actually obscures the dialogue at points. Yeah. There was... I saw it in IMAX, which maybe didn't help things for me, Mm -hmm. but there were entire sections where dialogue was literally just completely droned out. Like I couldn't hear it over this ridiculously loud bed of bass. Mm. Like I, I think the sound design was absolutely atrocious. Mm. The, the use of music and the use of musical cues and the sound effects for the action scenes were done perfectly. But that, meant nothing because the plot was just ruined by the fact that I couldn't hear most of it. There were times where I was like, have I, what did he say? Have I missed an important thing here? Yeah. And then there will be something that happens. Like, was this explained in dialogue that I didn't hear properly? <laughs> yeah, there was. So I, I watched it twice. Uh, I watched it in IMAX in the same cinema Rob saw it in. And then I saw it again on 35 mil. Uh, well, the 35 mil equivalent in, um, mm-hmm. in view. And the two things I noticed were, yeah, I agree with you about the action scenes, like gunshots hit harder, action scenes hit, they're very punchy in IMAX. Um, you know, when it go when it f- makes full use of the IMAX screen, it mm-hmm. looks it looks beautiful. It's really, really lovely. So if you care about that, definitely worth seeing that. But yeah, I there were two things I noted about the IMAX screen. One, and I, I'm not sure whether it's an issue with just the Plymouth IMAX screen or whether it's a, a inherent issue with IMAX sound. Mm-hmm. I remember going to see Dunkirk with my mum in Boston, and we went to go and see that in IMAX. And I remember having the same issue then. And I also went to go and see Interstellar in a really old, crappy cinema in Plymouth. Yeah. And I think, and that wasn't in IMAX, but I'm just thinking like, I'm not, and I'm not saying IMAX cinemas have crap sound, but I'm wondering whether if your cinema doesn't have an absolutely perfect mix of the film, like where all the speakers are properly balanced in the right way. And if you have it in IMAX, it's inherently harder to listen to. And I actually found as well, because I, I, arrive late for my IMAX viewing. So I sat in one seat and then realized I wasn't in my right seat. I then went back back up to the top of the cinema and sat further along. And I mm-hmm. actually found that sitting in the dead center of the IMAX screen, it was easier to hear than where I was originally. Oh, okay. So that felt like another thing on top of that, where, where I was in the IMAX screen. Like we're reviewing the IMAX experience rather than the actual <laughs> Yeah, film. pretty much. Well, I, I, think inherent. It's, I think it's, it's worth a thing to warn someone because... because they obviously push it in IMAX. And that's the thing that Nolan's very, has cared a lot about since The Dark yes. Knight, about filming and showing his films in IMAX. And it's one of my concerns about it is if you don't pick the right IMAX screen, you could have an experience that makes you think like, I couldn't fucking hear anything because half the dialogue and I didn't and I was only on the second time viewing it it was either it was either that just because I heard the dialogue twice I was able to just hear it a lot clearer or it was the fact that the speakers were just better balanced on the 35 mil equivalent because you could tell the gunshots and 
impacts in the other screen didn't hit as hard as they did in IMAX. Yes. And- I would say we're not the only two who have had issues with the sound design. It, yeah. I did a little bit of looking into it because I had a kind of similar thought to yourself. Like maybe mm. we just had a bad screening, but it seems like it's been a very common complaint that yeah. the audio just wasn't really balanced properly. And I would say, like you mentioned Dunkirk and you mentioned Interstellar, mm. I think the common denominator there is Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Me, yeah. I don't know if he has the same audio team every time or if he has a specific input in it, yeah. but like, I don't know. It feels like that's almost a calling card of a Nolan film, and it's not one that I really care for. I, I, I'm trying to work on like I always, I'm always trying to like, what's the artistic reason he might be doing this? And I can't for the life of me think why. Like I could understand. Yeah. There's some scenes where the music comes in and it's very loud, and I kind of get it because like he, you know, the dialogues doesn't matter in those scenes. Like there's a bit where um. Robert Patterson's character, who, by the way, Robert Patterson's really, really fucking good in this, and I'm really looking forward to him being in more stuff now because he's clearly gone over the whole Twilight shit, and like he's really fucking good. Um, but like he's being toured around this facility, and a guy's chatting to him, and you can kind of just about hear what the guy's saying, and it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah. But the problem then is the stuff you are meant to hear. In in like it, it's cutting back and forth between like them planning a heist and them kind of touring the facility, you still can't hear what those other people are supposed to be saying. Yeah. So it's like I can't hear anything in this scene. I I like I can't understand what's going on. The, I think the the scene that I've seen a lot of people have spoken about is the one on the boat. There's like a bit where they're doing a they're like really high speed sailboat, and it's just a scene set on this like those you know really fast yeah, on, on a really really fancy speed yacht effectively yeah. and like i get it it's loud out there mm. that doesn't mean you have to make it incomprehensible for the audience yeah yeah if you're gonna have important information don't share it in a place where the audience can't hear it yeah right exactly um but yeah i mean i, I don't want anyone to think, think that like the sound design is enough to put them off but like just be wary if that's something that has been an issue for you in nolan films in past I feel this is almost the worst. Certainly the same. The worst version of this that he's done. And maybe there'll be some, like, you know, they've done it before where like, you can, you know, you can remix a film and quickly send it back out. My hope is maybe enough people go like, hey, look, this is not right. Could you maybe just mix it a little better? And maybe, mm-hmm. and I don't want to promote the idea that you fix a film because that's bad enough in video games. Um, <laughs> but if enough people are kind of saying like, look, you really need to do something about this then hopefully they might they might um, release a version with a slightly better audio track because it can be bad. And like, I almost say like, you want to see it twice, but you almost want to see it twice just so you can kind of understand what's going on because not yeah. only is the sound design, it moves really fast. Like you really need to be on your game paying attention to what's going on because- That is one thing I will say for it. It's mm. a two and a half hour movie, give yeah. or take. And it definitely didn't feel like two and a half hours. It didn't drag. It yep. didn't overstay its welcome. Yep. And I I was invested and interested in it all the way throughout. Yep. Like we talked about it significantly because ultimately the sound design is my biggest issue. Yep. It's the one thing that I disliked the most about it. Because other than that, I enjoyed it. Yep. I don't think it's ever going to win an award for being Nolan's best work. I, I don't think it deserves anything better than being known as a decent enough movie. Yeah. But 
it still did its job. And for two and a half hours to keep me interested and not get bored with it once, yeah. that's still a good thing. It's still a good sign. I think as well, all the actors in this do an outstanding um, perf- uh, outstanding job at the, in their roles. Like um, John David Washington, uh, David um, Denzel Washington's son is is absolutely incredible as the main character, as, as the protagonist. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned already, Robert Patterson's fantastic. Um, woman who has spent the entire time trying to remember who she was. And then the guy I went to go and see it with on the second showing um, pointed out that Elizabeth, I'm going to butcher this. Elizabeth Debicki, I think it is. is gold woman from Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yeah, the the leader of the Sovereign, was it? She is. She is also so comically tall. She's so much taller than every other character. But it's great. Incredibly statuesque build, isn't it? Exactly. But in in a in a in a in a triple A, you know, in a in a big blockbuster thing where the main character always has to be taller than the female love interest. It's so refreshing (laughs) the height difference between him uh, sorry, her and every other character. Especially Kenneth (laughs) Branagh. It's like looking at the difference between six foot and five eleven, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. It's like it's like for us putting Nick, one of our friends, next to my girlfriend. It's 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 so ridiculous, but like I but I think she's great, and I I you know I think she did a really good job. I've not seen her in anything else outside of Guardian, so it was nice to see her. Like I think she gets an opportunity in this film, um, to to do a lot. Kenneth Branagh, mm-hmm. I love. I'm not sold on his Russian accent in any capacity. It's no, really like this and him is like, um, Poirot from the, um, murder, not murder on the Orient Express. Like mm-hmm. that's a bad Belgian accent, but it kind of works for the film. This is meant to be serious. And I'm just like, like no one's like, who goes to see this because it's got Kenneth Branner in it. No offense, Kenneth Branner. You're lovely. I love you. But like cast an actual Russian, if you're going to do this. Film, yeah. You know, I, I get what you mean entirely, actually. But it's like, um, so Michael Caine obviously got a pretty high billing on this one, despite his yeah. really kind of limited involvement. He was in it for a scene almost in, in the terms of the film, blink and you'll miss it. Yeah. Uh, I did, Capadia. I did. I miss, I came in after that scene, so I didn't even know he oh, was really? in it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Dimple Kapadia is also really, really good in it as being kind of a very no-nonsense not even antagonist or protagonist, really. Yeah. Just a very, very strong and serious female figure in that movie. Yeah. Uh, kind of similar, really, to Elizabeth Debicki. But kind of my biggest surprise was Robert Pattinson, because I have always been very, very outspokenly critical of Robert Pattinson in terms <laughs> of my dislike of him as an actor. I oh, that doesn't never, surprise me. <laughs> I have never, ever considered anything he has done before this point worth a damn. But honestly, his performance in this movie made me a believer i'm Mm. now a lot less concerned about him being the batman than i was before i'd seen this because let's face it it's not like he's had the cleanest sheet up to this point (laughs) i think so what i'll say to you is i think he did his time i think he did a bunch of movies that got him a lot of money a lot of publicity good or bad uh, but now I think he's in a position where because he made so much money, even if he hates those films, he can do whatever he whatever wants. Whatever he wants. And now he's like, cool, I want to do this weird black and white movie called The Lighthouse. And everyone, anyone who watches it is like, fuck, that's really good. You know, Nolan's like, this guy's got something. I'm going to pick him for my movie. And I like, yes, like this is when I remember watching like Tom Hardy and in Inception 
And obviously oh, I know yeah. Tom Hardy had done stuff before, but for me, that was the first time I saw him and I was like, he's really fucking good. Like mm-hmm. it, I, I, I personally think this is like the new, this is going to be the beginning of Robert Patterson's like new trajectory in terms of his career. Like, God, I hope so. Movie, because if this is what I can remember Robert Pattinson by, then I'm all for it. Yeah. I would love to be able to bury the old Robert Pattinson <laughs> and just accept this one as the true version. And then that's it. He, he A was... big part of me always wonders if he could turn back time, if he would do the Twilight movies all over again. He says, because, he, yeah. Because like he is there, you could tell <laughs> by the end of that run how much he hated. Oh, he being was in those he movies. was very outspokenly angry. Yeah, uh, hated vocal, those films. Vocal about but it. like you can't. I mean, if just in from his perspective, like at the end of the day, you can't turn back. Like maybe he wouldn't be doing this now if he hadn't chosen to do that. You know, you know, you don't know. You don't like you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe his career would have kicked off earlier had he not done those. Maybe it would have been later if he hadn't if he hadn't done those. So it's 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 not knowing, but. I always worry that like, are people not going to want to go and see these films because of Robert Patterson? And I think like now more than ever, you've got to like bury that and just like accept for who he is now. And he's really incredible. Like also looking at IMDb, I did not realize Aaron Taylor Johnson was in this, who is Quicksilver. The Marvel, the Marvel, uh, sorry, the like age of Ultron one. I didn't even realize he was in yeah, it. Or Kickass, the main character from Kickass. I think he's the guy with the beard. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. That's how I didn't know to recognize him. Yeah, we'll we'll get to maybe get to that in spoilers. The, the, the moment the moment you said um, the moment you said Kickass, like yes, I know exactly <laughs> what you mean now. Um, but I, I th- I'm trying to think if there's anything else we can really talk about without getting too much into spoilers. I think like the last thing I'll say without getting into it is like I. I've, I heard some people come out the cinema going like, man, that was, you know, really complicated and makes you think I'm, I'm going to be honest. I don't want to be that person. It's like, it's not that complicated. If you think about it, it's not, it isn't, it's to me, it's pretty straightforward. The plot's very simple and it it's only made complicated by the fact that it does a very cl- classic Nolan thing by breaking up how you experience the film that makes it feel more, um, like more complicated than that actually is doubled that by the fact that the music's very loud and the dialogue's very fast. It's kind of hard to hear what's going on and understand things. So it might take repeat, repeat viewings to get some things that are happening. There are still some bits that I think I got most of what's going on, but I'm like, I don't get how that character's there in one scene and how they're there in another scene. And then they're back to there in another scene. We'll get to that in spoilers about who that is. Cause I still haven't really found any information online of anyone's actually able to tell me why that happens. Yeah. Um, but a lot, it's a lot of the classic Nolan, like something happens. I mean, it's kind of hand wave, like the tenant, uh, tenet, the whole concept. There are characters that go like, but what about this? And another characters just, just don't think it's very looper in that sense. It's like, just, just don't think about it. Like no one yeah. knows. So just don't, don't worry about that. Um, but I think, you know, if, if you can go out to the cinema, if you feel safe to do so, um, I, I, I personally think you're just going to have a really good time with, um, mm. Tanette. To kind of piggyback on your point, I mm. look at the plot of Tenet and the kind of the mechanics behind what it's trying to portray. It uses complicated mechanics, but mm. does its best to break them down in an easy way. But yeah. you have to be prepared to meet it halfway. Yeah. You can't go into the movie expecting it to be a dumb action movie and still understand what's going on. Yeah. You just need to try and just keep pace with it as it expresses things to you. If you don't want to pay attention to it, 
then you're not going to get through the, the two and a half hours and feel fulfilled, I don't think. You need to be prepared to give the investment to understand it. That's yeah. all you need. That's that's totally if If they released this on the streaming, people would just be on their phone and I think you'd miss very big yeah. elements. Like It's a film you have to sit down and be like, I'm here. <laughs> like um, I, I can understand a lot more the kind of very dogged determination that Nolan had that it had to be released in cinemas yeah. before it became a streaming thing. I, I get that now yeah. being on the other side of it. I think so. Which sounds really pretentious, but here we are We're doing it. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, for once, I think that pretentiousness actually worked. <laughs> right. So let's let's go into spoilers. So we'll try and keep this relatively short. We'll do another sort of 10 minutes and then we'll probably yeah. wrap it up. Um, but spoilers. So you rob is there anything kind of you wanted to get off your chest spoiler wise about the kind of about the film so the movie's called tenet yeah and yet tenet as a thing as an organization feels like an afterthought pretty much throughout the movie okay like there's you often see the hand gesture of course the interlocked fingers yeah, and yeah. What, what the meaning of it is by the end of the movie mm. but it's one of the very first scenes. It introduces like, ah, oh, yes, uh, Tenet, it will open some doors for you, it will close others. <laughs> and then it just feels like the name doesn't matter at all yeah. because it just introduces things that must be in some way related to it, but do nothing to explain that link. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it, it felt pointless to make that the kind of focal point from a customer's standpoint. Yeah. And then not follow through on it. I get that. I I, I think I totally I totally agree because I think like that idea of like it'll open some doors and others. Like you almost feel like it'd be that situation where like you go to a city and you might say the word and then suddenly you'll have like a bounty on your head and people after you. And mm. it never really feels like that. Like it feels like everyone's kind of aware. Like anyone any everyone they come and talk to about it in the film is like even if they're not fully aware of exactly what it does, they're aware of this thing like they, mm -hmm. they they know it like everyone they sort of meet meet throughout the film is like oh yeah we're kind of aware of this um this this application what you know what it is and by the end of it you just think like you're doing this like through the streets of like major major locations how uh how and like it to a point where like they're not like i mean whether it's said and i just missed it but like there's not any like dialogue saying like oh you know we have recovery teams to make sure that like people don't talk because it's like, yeah you're they're at an airport and there are people running backwards like not just walking backwards like running backwards in time through an airport in in like exposed outside like people would see that even if there's an explosion that's just happened they've just witnessed two people and a trolley running backwards out of a burning building <laughs> i i do think one thing that they didn't really, I know it's a don't think too hard on it kind of thing, but yeah. it almost felt like that was a don't think too hard on this, despite the fact that when you've got them running through the running through the wreckage afterwards, when the planes just crashed, not one person kind of looks around and says, are those people in that trolley going backwards? Yeah. Like no one, like no not one's paying one attention person to seems to notice it. Even when it's happening, like forwards and backwards, yeah. nobody who's running past seems to, even for a second, like pay attention to it. Yeah. It's like, I know that there's a fire and everything, but come on, That's it's like, literally right next to you. Yeah. There's also a character who helps hijack the plane, which by the way, we didn't really talk about in our non-spoiler bit, and it is in the trailer, mm -hmm. but like the whole plane crashing sequence, which they did practically, it's really fucking cool. Like yes. it was like I watching that a second time still had like a smile on my face as it was happening. I was like, this is really, this is, 
this is so fucking awesome that like Nolan is just convinced that every film he does, he just needs to like crash a plane somehow. Like, yeah, he just has to do it. He wasn't content with flipping a plane upside down and, you know, dangling off another plane in the Dark Knight Rises. He's like, now we're going to actually crash a 747 into a building in this one. And it's glorious. Um, But the guy who crashes the plane, who then jumps out, he's outside in that courtyard witnessing them putting out the fires. So he would have seen these two guys backwardsly walking through it. The other thing as well, why did he not... So, but yeah, so they go, they go at the end of the movie, they go back in time to essentially the beginning of the film. Um, and it's only the three main characters and like the army, the time army that go back in time, which means that when they went back in time, they rang up his mate in that t- time period, the bearded chap who helps him yep. with the plane heist. When, hey, could you drive out this woman who you don't know out to a boat? And we're going to do this mission where we're going to like, tr- like we're going to defuse a bomb that's connected to this guy. And if she kills him before, like she's, you know, and even like, he knows a lot. like, he's like, Oh, you're the backstop. Like if you don't stop him from ending his own life, we will die. Like he's aware of yeah. what's going on. They don't say he's traveled through time, which means he must be the Pre, he must be the non-time-traveled version of that dude, because that dude never travels back in time anyway, which means yeah. he did this random thing where he was told that the end of the world was going to happen, and then travels away and, like, you know, drops her off or wherever she needs to go. She goes into hiding for, like, a few weeks until she can go back to the present. And then just, like, a, I guess a week later or a few days later, gets rang up and goes, hey, do you want to help us with this plane? And doesn't mention to them, hey, remember that thing we did a few days ago where, like, yeah. we stopped the end of the world? Like my, now my we're crashing a plane. What's going on? <laughs> my presumption, and it's a presumption alone, is that he must have been involved because obviously he was brought on board by uh, by Robert Pattinson's character Neil. Mm. My and Neil, of course, was in on it from the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, my my guess is that he's supposed to be also involved in whatever organization Neil works for, because otherwise, you're right. There's that entire segment where why wouldn't he mention it? They- it's like hang on a minute, we literally just pushed that guy off a boat and he broke his neck. What's going on? Yeah. And he, they, but they don't, my issue is they don't clarify it enough. Like my, my take on it was that Robert Patterson's character meets the bearded chap for the first time whilst they're planning the plane heist. Mm -hmm. And the bearded dark guy doesn't go, Hey, you know, we worked together on that job a week ago. Like, how's it going? How have you been since the end of the world? And he doesn't mention that to the dude that he's apparently friends with. Like you think that, you know, if you, you randomly rang me up and went, Hey, we need you to do this thing. This girl, you know, stop her. We're going to make sure we stop this guy from blowing up everything. I was like, cool. You know, good job. Did it. I mean, I saw you a week later. I wouldn't be like, all right, not going to talk about what happened a week ago. I'd be like, Rob, you know, a week ago was so, the end of the world happened. <laughs> I haven't seen yeah, you what, since. What, happened, what yeah. happened last week? That was, that was crazy, right? It was a crazy, it was a crazy week. We had the guy dangling off the back of the boat. We were just pulling yeah. Kenneth Branagh along on the ocean. Would have made more sense to put him in the boat because if anyone sees us dangling this body off the back of the boat, <laughs> you'd think we'd, they'd be, we'd be stopped, but apparently we weren't. Um, but yeah, that's like that and the... Um, so there's the bit in the middle of the film. So I guess we'll go into like the way that basically like Jack Howard kind of the YouTuber kind of figured it out where he said, you know, Tanette is a palindrome. It's the same forwards as it is backwards. The film basically goes forward and then the rest of the film goes backwards throughout the same film. 
so he, you know he he did it essentially the end the ending of the film is them pulling out the part of the last part needed for this time bomb essentially um and then they send that part back in time to complete the bomb and then they're going to detonate it on the like on the best day of Kenneth Branagh's life essentially he's like mm-hmm. you know he's this this built this idea that if he can't have something he doesn't want anyone to have it and he's decided the world counts as that as well so he's going to yeah, blow he he's can't gonna, live and nobody gets the world exactly he's going to kill himself uh because he loves his fitbit or something and he's then going to somehow connect it to this bomb even though that they they say don't kill him because everything will hap- will will blow up even though the bomb isn't finished by that point so i'm not 100% sure why but then it's revealed that apparently they're like well we want him to finish the bomb because then we'll know the location of all nine parts and my answer to that is bullshit don't allow him to construct the bomb in the first place that could potentially end everything because you don't know that he's going to go back in time and relive his best day he might just decide there and then fuck it I'm going to just end it like that is not a risk anyone is willing to take ever well, apparently the tenant organization is they're, 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 they're definitely prepared. The time police, because I don't like I sort of as it's been going on more and more, I've realized that they must be from like the far, far future, which means when you join this organization, you essentially just like don't have a time and place that you exist in anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I've noticed as well that you mentioned that um, Neil is potentially Elizabeth the bicky cats cat in the film's uh son a lot of people online have made that same uh connection and think that's it would just be that was one always of those things, that was always it? my presumption that's mm. where i always thought they were planning on going with that movie yeah. there's uh there's a scene about midway through when kate has been inverted shot and they effectively go backwards in time to do everything they can to save her life, which yeah. is why they go back to the, the safety storage area in the airport to bring her back through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the kind of, I feel like they gained nothing by leaving it ambiguous. Almost mm-hmm. all it would have taken would have been a shot at the end where like, because Neil has been shown to have a this charm on his backpack. You see it at the very beginning of the movie mm. when Neil is revealed to have effectively saved the protagonist's life. Then it shows up again right near the climax of the movie where Neil has to die to make sure the mission succeeds. Yeah, and that red string and charm, uh, they're effectively the the identifier. And all it would have taken would have been just to have that on the backpack. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's I, that's all it needed. Yeah, and you just see like the last scene, just see it like just little on his backpack, little charm bracelet. I get that, but actually, you just reminded me of what the point I was going to make. The other, the other bit that like I couldn't quite work out the placement of characters. So they they heist that element, the last part yeah. of the bomb they need from the from the van. Then time traveling Kenneth Branagh comes back at them with time not time traveling uh, cat. So he's pointing the gun at the back of the he- her head and he's wearing the mask, but she isn't, which means they're going back in time and she's not. Yeah. Because she also speaks forward when she's talking to them. And even then she acts like a normal person when exactly. the protagonist is trying to jump into the car and save her. Precisely. So she's going forward. So that's fine. Then they do the thing. They, you know, throw the bomb over and there's the whole misdirection. And then she's left in the car and... 
he she saved at the last minute, and then Kenneth Branagh's police show up, uh, thugs show up, take both of them. But then he wakes, he gets put in the facility, and she's already on the other side of the glass with the mask. And then Kenneth Branagh appears and then goes in after her. And I didn't quite work out the placement of people there. If that makes sense. Now, like, you know what I mean? Like it just, why is yeah. she, what she, it, it, the whole thing makes sense to me, except the placement of her. Why didn't she go through with him? And then the interrogation happen. Like that's the thing that doesn't make sense to me. Why is she the only one on the other side of the glass? at that point because you specifically see him pull her in yeah yeah as well but you don't see where that's come from because she's not back in time she's not going backwards in that other scene that that would have made it make sense in my eyes anyway yeah so it's the only bit like if anyone if anyone's actually listening to this and knows please let me know because i'm baffled. that's the only scene that really baffles me is the placement of cat's character in that scene doesn't quite make sense to me the rest of it I, I totally get it. it all basically goes forward in time until the end of that scene. And then the rest of the film is just traveling backwards. Essentially. I do think that's one where you just need to not think about it oh, too hard yeah. and just kind of accept it as it is. But the, uh, <laughs> the other argument is why do like they could, you know, just keep, I mean, you know, you'd have to then live through every day of the year again, but just keep mm. going back in time and kill Kenneth Branagh. Like you can do that. Can't you? You clearly it's, you've been shown you can do that. Go back in time, but then they they technically killed future Kenneth Branagh, which is I think how I was they about got to say because because the well the because the boat scene mm. it took me a, a second to kind of get my get my head through the appropriate loops for it. Yeah, but the Kenneth Branagh that you see on the boat isn't the Kenneth Branagh who was on that boat originally. No, he's effectively done the same as Cat's done. Yeah, and was still on the boat when real Kenneth Branagh had already left. Yes, but she he's under the impression that that's present day yes he her. doesn't realize that's also present kate because she in his mind died yes. he assumed her dead yes for good reason exactly so she didn't he, she, he didn't think she could come back in time to him yes which is you know uh, one thing oh yeah go oops one thing i would say is that the action sequences especially the ones where they were dealing with the some going forward some going backwards parts mm. were really really cool and really well shot uh, I yeah. I would love to see a making of to know how they did it because they were some of the coolest parts of that movie. The I, I mean, they're all great, but the one the one that always sticks out to me is the the hallway in the in the airport mm. because yes. like there's it it's the most interaction between physical objects. Like everything else is like you know a car, and then you could comp in certain elements, but it's like you know him fighting essentially himself. Um, which I think everyone was under the impression that was clearly him, especially I, I when they think, say, like, don't touch yourself. Yeah, I think it was one of those things where, like, you kind of cottoned onto it very, very quickly. Yeah. And you were just waiting for that part to come back. Being able to see the same scene, effectively, mm. from two separate perspectives was very, very cool, though. It's very interesting. Like, it's... it's And, like, just the way it works, where, like, they're, you know... He's never, it, it never feels like the other guy is just another guy going forwards in the combat. Mm -hmm. Like it always feels like one of them is reversed in some small way. And then, yeah, it that's it. Just, the fight always looks just that little bit too wrong. Yeah. Because it, it very clearly isn't working in a way that it should do. 
Like that was what was made it. Like that's what I loved about it. Like I also loved the parts of the movie where it foreshadowed that something was going to be heading backwards, but people clearly did nothing to comprehend it in movie. Like when they first find the the time traveling room in Oslo, mm-hmm. and like oh, where are, why are there bullet holes in this in this glass? Yeah, and then they're shooting. Like they kind of acknowledge the fact that there's bullet holes. They know that something's gone wrong. Yeah. And yet, in the car chase scene, the wing mirror is very clearly damaged. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. not neither of them thinks, why is that mirror damaged now? Yeah. Yeah. When did that happen? Yeah. It's the same when he puts his jacket on as well. Um, and like there's a hole in it and his arm's yeah. hurting and he doesn't ask, like, I mean, I guess like he might not know. And Robert Patterson's character. I can um, like knows immediately and doesn't just go like, Oh, this means you're going to get stabbed or like, you know, you'd think that they would tell it. So there's a lot of times where it's like the characters don't seem aware of something yeah. that they should be, even though, like you just said, they're the ones that introduce that concept to the audience. And I think, um, but like, it's still, I mean, to be honest, the effects always really good. Like I love the way the glass is like, as they're looking at it, you can see it slowly healing itself mm-hmm. as the moment's about to happen. Um, but as I mean, in, you know, I think, um, I think, I think that's all I've got to say about it, but I was just going to say like, the last thing is like, like all of Nolan's films, he won't do a sequel, but we were sort of talking last night. You mentioned that you think that this could easily be, you could not, maybe not a direct sequel, but you could make a sequel. I don't know. Okay. So I don't know how to word this properly Mm. to kind of get my point across, but the movie ends in such a way that it reveals that Tenet was the brainchild of the protagonist all along, and that in the future, he makes the organization that ends up helping him save the world in his earlier life. Yeah. He recruits Neil, and they have a long friendship, which ends for Neil as it begins for the protagonist. Very like, Doctor Who. That of, was very Doctor Who, that. Yeah. Like River Song uh, so and Doctor Who. <laughs> so it's very much one of those things where, like, it's it's like Ted, it's forwards and backwards exactly the same time. Like mm. I I don't feel the need to reveal that level of detail with it unless there was a plan to go further with it and yeah. do more with it as a property. But I also know full well that Christopher Nolan is very unlikely to turn this into a franchise or extend it in any way. Yeah. Which I think is is almost a shame. Mm. Like I feel like they could have done a lot more with it had they if they were open to doing so Mm. and it just feels again it feels strange to leave open plot hooks which they never intend to close yeah yeah very true i I agree and like we haven't yeah we haven't really talked too much about the time police but yeah it's these this organization the our main character set up some point in the future which it could be years years away like the implication if neil is cat's daughter uh, son then the implication is like this whole organization is from ve- some very far point in the future, well, few decades in the future, potentially. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of, they're brought up like, and it's also a very offhand thing. Like I think someone said to me, Oh, where did like these machines that could send people back in time come from? Like, why is that not the bomb? And I said, Oh, it's a very quick line, which is like, there are future bad people, but there are also future good people that want to help us stop the bad people. 
And that's all you get. But that's once again a line that I missed the first time I watched it. I know you caught it on the second one. So that you spend the entire time going like, yeah, where the fuck did these machines come from that can actually invert people's kind of, you know, trajectory in time? So the argument that they can't make more bullets that go back in time is a lie because you can just put bullets in yeah. the machine and then just send them back because they could do it with a trolley. So you can clearly do it with anything else. So, but you know, that's it's neither here nor yes. there. Yes. <laughs> uh, so it's all hand waving. Of- yeah, a couple of other minor things. I hadn't realised, um, but the scientist at the very beginning, mm. um, the one who explains the earliest parts of inverted material to the yeah. protagonist, is Clemence or Clemence Posey, who was Fleur in the Harry Potter films, and uh, a couple of other things as well. That's yeah, okay. I was trying to work out how I knew her because I recognised her as well. I was like, why do I recognise you? <laughs> it's it's a it's a very star-studded cast, really. Very much um, so. Which is almost a shame in that the movie almost came across as rather impersonal at points, okay. distant maybe, mm-hmm. cold. Like I, I can't think how to word it. Like I, I was, I didn't want it to be a kind of happy, wholesome hug fest. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but like there, there are times where it felt like nobody really had their own motivation in the movie. Like uh, Priya, the arms dealer, mm. he breaks into her home, killed several of her guards, holds her husband at gunpoint, and then she decides to help him unconditionally because. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's there's no real reason given. Like she's a she's an arms dealer. She is benefiting from illegal transferring backwards of material. Why is she helping this guy do his job? It's because it's they say at the end of the film that she's working for him. And yet he kills her. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm not sure what point in time that, that it, it, it must be then he then as he goes into the future more travels back in time further and there's this whole other thing where she is working for him when she's younger but then why mm-hmm. is he recruiting arms dealers like mm-hmm. he surely is a better I yeah I totally agree there's it, it is that sadly the only thing that I you know don't like about this one like Inception I think holds up a lot when you scrutinize it this, but this doesn't, it, and that's but that's inherently the issue with time travel stuff. Is you you you're left always going like, you can have the characters say don't think about it as many times as you want, but inherently you're always gonna think about it. Yeah, you're always gonna try and deconstruct it. it, and that's that's one of the dangers of trying to deal with a relatively, I suppose, intellectually higher subject matter mm. as time travel, alternate universes, things like it, but um. You kind of have to think how awkward must the job interviews be for the protagonist when it comes to hiring Neil. So yeah, I know you're gonna die and take a bullet for me. It's like the, <laughs> the guy who leads time teams. Like, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna threaten to kill me if you ever see me again. And <laughs> all the way down to yeah, you're a scumbag arms dealer, and I'm gonna shoot you for threatening to kill this person who I randomly got attached yeah. to because I promised to steal a painting and didn't. Yeah, it's so... Oh yeah, also like, Kenneth Branagh's fine with talking to him because for some reason he goes do you like opera? And then he's like yeah, okay, I won't kill you now and now I'm going to hey, invite you to my boat because that makes hey, sense. do you know this famous forger 
a repo. So like, yes, I do know that famous forger. You must be an all right dude. Come to dinner. Yeah. By the way, I'm gonna kill you. Let's go boating. It's also like it was like I was reading a synopsis someone had done on Reddit, and it was like they'd said that, and he was like, he says like he says this. I don't, and then he doesn't kill him. Don't worry, I don't know why this is either. It just happens. Don't think about it. Yeah, there's like that's that's becoming more and more of an issue with Nolan. I really hope he like goes back because like, and just back to your protagonist thing. Like you're right, no, like in like I keep in referencing referencing Inception, but in Inception, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, he's the only one with an arc and like the the motivation to carry the story forwards. None of the others do. But to me, that's fine because it's his story. In this, I don't think our protagonist has that same level of motivation. I don't really know what it he's almost after. Feels like, it almost feels like he's effectively just stumbling from thing to thing. Yeah. It's like rather than he he isn't active in the story as much as he passively experiences it along with us, the viewer. Yeah. I, I, I'm hesitant to say it, but I think if he was a woman, he'd be called a Mary Sue because he is very good at everything. No, like, you're quite right. He you know is what I mean? like ridiculously he's, good at everything he puts his mind to, including yeah. accepting and dealing with theoretical physics. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll, I guess, but, but I feel bad I'm leaving it on a bad point. I just think like what we're explaining is basically not that we want you to switch your mind off when you watch this song because you do need to pay attention, but like, like any don't time think, travel thing, don't pick it apart, essentially. Think exactly the right amount. Yeah. Don't think too little or too much if, and you'll be fine. If you think you're thinking too much, dial it back just a little bit, but don't go too don't go too far down. Otherwise you'll you'll be too much. Too little, I mean, too little. But anyway, thank oh, you. Oh. They, a quick did they ever actually explain why Sator was like chosen to be who he was in the uh, in the center of this movie. So the the yes and no. He was one of those things where because he was digging up um, artifacts um, as a kid, was digging up like um, old um, elements, like what well, isotope, um, fuck, like nuclear shit, like nuclear waste and crap. Like he was digging in the rubble, and they were getting all the bits that had exploded or whatever in his town, and it was the like perfect way for the future people to send that back um i guess they knew that he when he got older would want to take the world with him but the implication is that they knew that they could get him at the right time and he would discover this and they could pay him off because like he, he like opens up that canister and in it is a bunch of gold and a letter addressed to him yeah. Which is very looper, I will add. Gold and yes. a letter explaining from people in the future what you need to do is very looper. Um, but yeah, it, so in it is kind of, I assume, basically, we want you to uncover these pieces that have been hidden in your past that we can't get um, and build the bomb that will essentially destroy... Well, this is another thing. It's like, it, it, do the people in the future think they will destroy everything? Or do they think they'll only destroy the past, meaning the future may be better? Well, I actually I, I pulled up the Wikipedia page to try and understand uh, to try and understand uh, a little bit better what they were actually going for. Mm. And again, don't know when this is actually clarified, but apparently the people in the future are helping Sator believe that reversing entropy will reverse climate change and make the Earth habitable for them. Right. 
I do future. remember. Okay. I do remember um, Neil um, effectively saying, like, when they're talking about the grandfather paradox, uh, effectively yes. Neil's answer is, "Well, they're facing extinction. This may have been the only choice to yeah. try." Because he also says, like, there are some people believe that if you go back and kill your grandfather, you'll never exist to have done it. There are also mm-hmm. others that believe you could go and kick your granddad down the stairs, gouge his eyes out, and slit his throat, and nothing will happen. And then he goes, what's the answer? And he's like, we don't know. That's the grandfather paradox. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what the film is explaining is like, it doesn't know what would happen if it, but I guess the people in the future think, well, it can't get any worse. The worst we'll do is extincts, you know, cause extinction, which is fine because life sucks. The best we can do is make life better for ourselves. So what's the, what's the harm in doing it? So, okay. That makes a bit more sense. I guess it is in there, but once again, probably just hidden by Wob's. Yeah, very well, difficult well, well, to tell in terms <laughs> like I know you said that we've been we felt very negative about this movie. That's simply because it's a lot easier to talk about the negative in a film sometimes than it is the positive. Yeah. At the end of the day, I still think Tenet was a good movie. Yeah. I still enjoyed watching it. But there is a mindset you need to be in, I think, to enjoy it to its fullest. And yeah. that's not thinking too hard while yeah. also not thinking too little. I think we're just saying, yeah, just encourage it's, it's definitely worth a watch. There are, it's just not not the perfect movie which I think is, is, is a fair thing to say on it. But anyway, mm-hmm. we're going to go. We're going to go and have a good night, and I will see Rob on Saturday. You won't. Yes, you will. We'll be back again. We promise it won't be as long before the next episode. Um, it might just be end up being film reviews um, from whoever's watching it, so it might be a few other people. We'd like to have Ben, Maddie, and Luke back on soon, so you can have the whole gang over the old Discord. Um, but uh, we will be having, hopefully, a AFK... SideQuest review out in the next few months. So watch our YouTube space. But thank you very much for listening. And well, if you have made it this far, uh, you can find us on all our socials. Luke normally does this, so I don't know what we, where we are. Oh God! Um, Facebook, so Twitter, look Instagram. For us, look for us on Castbox and where all other good, good bad, right. forwards and backwards podcasts can ah, be found. Yeah, yeah. Follow us on Twitter at the Easy Degree and on Instagram at the Easy Degree. Yes. Uh, find us on YouTube, the Easy Degree. You and find Rob and search <laughs> for us in person and shoot and reverse shoot him in the face. That's it. Put me, put so, me out of my misery, so should please. I, should I, last thing, should I reverse this podcast and upload it as a backwards podcast, <laughs> but then halfway through, <laughs> then re- like reverse it backwards just to have the true Tanet experience? No, no, right at the very end, just uh, as, as one, one of us is halfway through speaking, just have a reverse gunshot noise. <laughs> just stops. You want to crash a plane? We're not from the air. No one's so dramatic. Well, how big a plane? That part is a little dramatic.